0: Um, yeah. Um, so, a while ago, I made my dad a hat, and I thought for the occasion I would steal it back from him and wear it tonight. Um, but before I start, um, I'm actually just going to pray, because I've never preached before, so I'm a bit sort of nervous, I just want to calm those, and just bring it to the Lord before I start. Dear Lord, I, I just thank you so much that you are our God, who loves us so deeply, Lord, I just thank you that I have this opportunity up here tonight to preach your word, Lord. I just pray that you'd be speaking through me, Lord. You'd give me a peace and a calmness tonight. And you'd be giving me the wisdom and truth of your word as I speak. Lord, I pray for all those listening, Lord, that you'd be at work in them in their hearts. You'd be softening them and pointing them back to you, Lord. All these things in your name. Amen. Right, so, um, earlier this year, I had a couple of friends of mine, and they agreed to take me, take me surfing. And if you know me, I'm not really a a surfer sort of person. Um, Until about three years ago, I didn't really like going to the beach. I just kind of like staying at home and and whatever. But they agreed to take me surfing because we moved over here from England. And the dream you get when you move from England is you you come to Australia, you chill out on the beach, you go surfing, and that's the lifestyle. But I never really got into it. But my friends agreed to take me surfing. It was a bodyboarding, to be exact, but same sort of thing. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we, we get to the beach. And you're standing on the shore and you look at the waves, and they never really look that big. So I was like, sweet, I'm ready, let's go, let's go. They gave me the board. All right, follow us, follow us, follow us out. So we go out, and we get the other side of the, the break, and I'm looking back at those waves that I'd sort of palmed off before, and they're just they're huge, they're giant, and I, I'm like this I like to stay in the shallows and I can't touch the ground out here, and I was sort of scared, and to make it worse, it was a grey day, and um, As we're out there, this huge black cloud comes in, the wind picks up, it starts raining, it's cold, and there's all that spray off the waves, it's in your face. And I'm just really scared. Like, this is why I stay in the shore. This is why, like, when my feet are on the ground, that's where my strength is, that's where my power is, because I can just run away. And when I'm out there, I don't have any power out there. The waves are powerful, but I don't have that power. I kind of knew the only way I could get in when I'm out there is to catch a wave because it's the only way back in. And so I wait for a sort of reasonably sized wave and I take that in and sort of regain my composure in the shallows and I wait in this cave, my friends come back and my heart's beating and I'm just thankful that I have friends that would take me out on a day like that. It's good for them. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is that it's a horrible feeling to feel powerless uh, when you're out there and you're stranded and it, you just feel like you have no strength left, um, all the traits that you, you once thought you had, you just don't have them anymore. You know, I don't consider myself very fearful or, or weak, but out there, that's exactly how I felt, because I felt like I had no power, I was powerless. And so these traits, just, they just disappeared from me, and I just didn't have them anymore. And it's a horrible feeling. I think sometimes this is, this is the feeling we have in our faith. We just, we just don't feel like we have any power in our faith. We read verses like Matthew 5 and Jesus goes, you are the light of the world. And we're like, really? Like, am I? And, and we, we see God's calling on our life and we see the way God wants us to live. And just like, God, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have any power to do that. And, and we look to God and we're like, God, didn't, didn't you promise us your spirit? Didn't you promise us this, this power and this authority? Because I don't think I have it. I feel weak and I feel powerless. And some, we feel that in our relationship with God and in our faith and the way we walk that out in our lives. But then we come to Philippians, the passage we just read. In um, verse 6 there, Paul writes to the Philippians, he goes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And you start to get the snippet, don't you, that it, it, it's not our power in the first place, right? It's not, it's not our work, it's not the things we're doing, it's God who's at work. I mean, we are, we are weak, but we have a God who is powerful. And this verse says here that it's his work. I mean, he starts the work, he carries that work, and he will complete that work. Which means we don't have to to look at our weaknesses, we don't have to rest in our strengths going, this is the limit of what I can do. We can look to God who is limitless and is so powerful and go, actually, it's God's work. And God's going to continue this work, he's going to start it, he doesn't give up. You know, we might make mistakes, you might stumble and fall, but God doesn't give up. God continues to work. He will start it, carry it, and complete it. So when we come to God, we access His power, and He works through us. But this basically leaves a very logical sort of question of, what is that good work? And it says that God will continue this good work to completion, but, but, but what is it? I think I kind of have two answers um, and the first time I read it, I was kind of thinking of sort of sanctification, right? You know, like God's at work in us, changing us. He's changing our hearts, and that's the good work. And one day we'll be complete when we're restored in heaven with Christ. Um, and it's this process of God at work in us. But then, as you kind of read that passage through, if you look just sort of two verses before in verse 4 and verse 4, he goes, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you We'll carry it on to completion of the day of Christ. And I actually think what Paul's trying to get at here, I think the first one is still true in a way, but I think what Paul's getting at here is it's, it's the work of the gospel, it's the partnership of the gospel. So it's, it's living life um, for the gospel. It's our ministry, whether it's a, a formal position, whether it's an informal position, just being a brother and sister to, to other Christians, just welcoming at church, maybe it's being up here as well, or whether it's just your evangelism as well, your ministry in, in being a light to the world around you, your, your friends, your, your family in the workplace. I think that's what Paul's talking about. This is the good work and that's such a great encouragement because we can know that that's, it's God's work and God's doing it through us. He's using us for some unknown reason. God wants to use his people but he uses us, his vessels, to carry out his good work. I think this is just so encouraging because there's there's times when I'm with people, sometimes they're Christians, sometimes they're not, and I know, what, I know what I want to say, I think I should, should say it, and I just overthink it, and I pull out and go, I can't, I can't ask that, I, I can't say that, I don't have the strength, I don't have the power to say that, and I, just, I feel weak in that situation. But what Paul's saying here is, it's not by your strength that you're going to achieve what you're trying to achieve, it's by God's strength, it's God's power because it's his work. Because in the end, I, you guys, we, we, we can't change someone's heart. We can't do that. That's, that's the work of God. It's the work of the Spirit. No one will call Jesus Lord unless the Spirit is in them. So it's God's work. But we can rejoice knowing that God will work through us. And we can be confident of that just as Paul's confident of it. So. You know, We can go out there, and we can have a boldness and a confidence you know, to ask someone to church, or, or to ask what they think of Jesus, or even just to encourage someone to think how they're going in their faith, and it can be really hard to do at times, but actually we can have a confidence that no matter what, God's going to work. So we can go to someone like, Hey man, I think you should come to church, and they can just be like, no, and you're like, that's fine, that's all good. Or like, like what do you think of Jesus? Shut up, I don't want to hear about it. That's fine. Or You know, We can get shut down because it's not by our strength that this work is completed. It's by God's strength that this work is completed. It's God's work that he will carry to completion. So I think when we are feeling weak, when we feel like we don't have the light that Jesus is talking about, saying that we're the light, when we don't feel that, when we're feeling powerless in our faith, we can look to God. We can look to his promises like this one here and know that it's by God's strength. So although we are weak, God is powerful and we can rest in that. But it's also very clear that this doesn't make our ministry, this doesn't make our evangelism, it doesn't make our walk with God easy. If we just read the next verse there in verse 7, it goes, It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And you see there right then that he is whether I am in chains. As Paul writes this letter, and, and we know Philippians, we know it's a joyful letter. It starts with joy. It ends with joy. The entire letter is full of joy. Yet as he writes it, Paul is in prison. He is in chains. He is down and out. He's got nothing left. And we know the story of Paul as well. We know that he did everything right. He went out and he truthfully proclaimed the gospel. He didn't have fear to anyone who would listen. He would just talk about Jesus and we look at that and go, wow, that's amazing. And then we hear that he's in jail. And it's like, oh, you know, like he did all this good work and now, now he's in jail. But he's in jail. But what he's writing about is joy. He always prays with joy, rejoicing in the partnership of the gospel because he knows that while he is in jail, the work of God is still out there. God is still at work. Paul, Paul may be in jail and he may be in chains. But the gospel who he is serving, and the gospel that is the root of his joy, that is still at work because God cannot be contained in the same way. And Jesus, Jesus says, he goes, you'll be hated on account of me. Jesus says it, and Paul lives it. Paul is hated, he is beaten, imprisoned, threatened. Every bad thing that could basically possibly happen happens to Paul. He's left with nothing for the work of the gospel. But he still has this great joy and this great confidence because he is in chains, but the gospel cannot be chained Because God cannot be chained. And if God cannot be chained and our joy is in God and our strength is in God, then our strength is never taken away from us and our joy is never taken away of us because it cannot be taken away because God is forever and he's always true. The gospel is true no matter where you are. And if our joy is in the gospel, then no matter what is happening to us, we can always have that joy and that confidence. But sometimes... Again, it's, it's not just in our, in our outer life that we have this powerlessness, you know, in, in our ministry and in our evangelism or in our sort of our front that we have. Bad way of saying it, but you know, in that regard. Sometimes it's just this powerlessness in, in our inner life to just desire the things God wants us to desire. And we have even less power to actually do them. I mean, we look at what the world offers us and what it wants to give us, and we're like, man, that, that looks good. I want to, I want to do that. And then, and then we say what God wants and what God says is good. And you're like, God, I, I know that's good, but can I wait? That looks good. I, I, I want to do that. And they're all doing that. They don't know you. They, they don't love you, but they're having fun. They're enjoying it, and it looks good. I, I, I want to do that. I mean, the apple in Genesis never looked bad, did it? It looks good, you want to do it? And you go and you do it, and you're like, man, that sucked. It just sucked, you know? And and you kind of look at what you've just done, and you're like, I wish I didn't do it. And you come back to God, and you're like, God, why didn't I just listen to you? Why didn't I trust you? Of course you were right, you're God. Like, why, why can't we listen? And then a couple of months later, that same temptation comes back up again, and you kind of see yourself getting drawn towards it. You're just like, haven't I learned anything? Didn't I learn anything from last time when I did it and I hated it? I found myself coming back to God. We know what we want to do, but we just feel so weak and so powerless to actually do it. And then we read again down there in verse 9, that Paul is praying for the Philippians. And this is his prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless on the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. That's what we want, right? We want to be able to discern what is good, but also to actually be pure and blameless. So therefore, to know what is good, but to actually do it. That's what we want. We want to be pure and blameless. But you know from Paul's prayer there, that that's not the thing he prays for for them. He doesn't go, my prayer is that you will be pure and blameless, God make them pure and blameless. No, he goes, my prayer is this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And when I first read this, I just sort of put imaginary full stops in. So I was thinking that Paul was praying that their knowledge would abound more and more, and I kind of just disregarded the knowledge part. But it's not saying that. It's saying that they already have love, right? It's that your knowledge would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. His prayer for them is knowledge and depth of insight, that they would know more. And then it goes, so that you will be able to discern what is good and be pure and blameless. So he's going, have knowledge. God, I want them to have knowledge. You build yourself up in knowledge so that you can actually live a life for God. What is your power to live God's life? It's knowing God. It's having that knowledge of him, having that deep insight into who he is, into his character, into his promises. That is our power to live for God. I mean, the, end, the, the Spirit's power at work in us, sanctifying us, making us more like Christ, it's our knowledge of God. Because when we know God, we have that power to live for him. Because once you know who God is, you, you, you want to live for him. And you can feel your heart and your desire being changed by that. And recently I've been reading through, through the Psalms. And um, there's one passage in Psalm 119 that really stuck out to me. So we're going to get it up. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, That first line, that question, you can feel just like the yearning in it. It's a hard question. Like, how can you stay on the path of purity? How can I stay righteous? How can I stay pure? I mean, this world is tempting me and pulling me all sorts of ways, but how can I stay on your path? How can I do what you want me to do? How can I stay on that path of purity? And he just answers it straight away, which is great. But By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And I love this last part. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where's his power to stay on that path of purity? It's God's word. It's God's word in his heart. He has the God's word in his heart so that he may not sin against God. If you want to live a pure life, if you want to live for God, if you want the power to be godly, then you need to know God. And you need to grow in knowledge of him, and that is your power to live for him. And in a way, God's made it, it's kind of made it really easy for us. I mean, He's revealed Himself to us in this book, in, in His Bible, in His Word. He has revealed Himself to us in a text that we can read. I mean, we've all got it in front of us. It probably sits next to our bed, it's probably on our phones. We have His Word right there. And God is saying that this Word, my, my Word, this knowledge of me, as you learn more about me, that's your power. That's your power to live for me. It's your power to stay on a godly path, and that's your power to do the good works I have planned for you. Um, just before Philippians, in the Book of Ephesians, you can just flip one page back and you'll see it. There's a really famous passage, and we sung about it just before. Um, it's about the armor of God, right? So you've got the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and it goes, the sword of the spirit, which is, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. That's the power of the spirit, is the word of God. I mean, a knight going into battle, his power is his weapon. I mean, he can be fully equipped in the army, he can have a shield, but if he's got no weapon, he's no good, he has no power. And you wouldn't go into a battle, you wouldn't go in unequipped, you wouldn't go in unarmed. This word, this word here is our sword. This is our power to live for God. And if we're not reading it, we're going into, we're going into a battle without a sword. We have no power. We're denying it from ourselves. Steal back that knowledge from the pages in front of you. Seek God. Know his word. Live his word. Love his word because it's our power to do so. I just, I really enjoyed sort of preparing from this passage because it was really encouraging to me being up here preaching that I, sometimes I don't really feel confident in front of people and it's, it's hard but actually I know it's God's work and also This is God's word speaking, and it's God's power is through his word. And I have that power through this word. And I just think that's a great encouragement to actually live a godly life. To do the callings upon us, even though they are hard. Um, Just before we end, I'm just going to pray for us. And then I think the band's going to come up. So, dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in a book that we can read, Lord, and we just thank you that that is our power to live for you, Lord. You are a great God. Your promises are good, Lord. You are loving and you care for us. And Lord, you have a path for us. You have a way for us, and sometimes it's a real struggle to stay on it. But Lord, you have equipped us with the knowledge of you, which is our power to stay on that path. And Lord, we just thank you for the great confidence we can have knowing that you are at work through us, that it is your work and you call us the lights of this world, Lord. I just thank you for all that you have done. Amen.